The goal, explain the 1990s in exactly 60 songs. The result, we did it. I'm Rob Arvilla. I host 60 songs that explain the 90s, which has indeed covered 60 fantastic songs thus far from Tupac to Radiohead to TLC. So let's do 30 more. Let's do 90 songs. No, we're not changing the name. More rad songs, more special guests, more astute critical analysis, more loopy nostalgic exuberance. That's 60 songs that explain the 90s every Wednesday only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks, Musa. How are you? I am good. I'm good. I didn't want to trouble last night, but I'm good. I'm good. Apart from that, that's a strong uh, lamp behind you. Where are you? I am in the beautiful town of Göttingen. I was doing a reading here, so as soon as I finished the reading yesterday, I went straight to a bar and caught the game. Uh, lots of lots of Man City fans in Göttingen. Like lots. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Success, it's success, man. Like, you know, it's, it's as you'd yeah. expect. You breed success. Um, when you've succeeded as much as City have in recent years, you grow your international fan base. And it was really interesting. Like when the, when the City goal went in, when the winner went in, spoiler, when the winner went in, uh, <laughs> when the winner went in, there was a huge roar. Much bigger really? than I expected. I was expecting much more of an Inter support base. But yeah, there That's you go. interesting. Yeah, really interesting. That yeah. is Inter. Interesting. Interesting. Can I shout out? <laughs> Can I say shout out to Göttingen as a town? Gorgeous, gorgeous town. And thank you to the Literature House for having me. It was a real pleasure. Nice. Did you find any uh, neo-Nazi phones this time? Or <laughs> I did not. But we're not far from. Oh, we're, not far no. from the cons- we're not far from the constituency of one of their main leaders, actually. So you know. <laughs> it's like DJs in Berlin, man. Never more than like six feet away from <laughs> uh, Anyway, well, I, I'm in Manchester, which was interesting. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah, I went and had a wander after full time and uh, 
it was it was noisy. It was very mm. noisy around because also it's been part life here today oh, wow. okay, and okay. yesterday. So Manchester has been extremely busy, and it had to be honest since about four thirty Friday afternoon, it's had a chaotic energy of which I cannot remember too many cities having when I've That's been in them. It's so for, and funny. it's not because of me, obviously. Well, but yeah. Manchester City have won the treble. They are European champions. They are. And we're going to talk about it in a little bit. Very, very quick bit of admin. Don't forget, we're going to do end of season. We're going to record our end of season mailbag on Monday. So tweet us your questions at Stadio or send us an email. Hello at Stadio. F- no, hello at Stadio.football. Mm. Uh, and then we will have a bonus final podcast of the season going up Thursday. And then we're done. But yeah, today you've got to catch a train. So we're going yes. to talk about the Champions League final and uh, Manchester City winning the treble. Let's get into it. Let's do it. All right, man, Man City winning 1-0 over Inter in Istanbul. Before we get into the football, I just want to shout out a what seemed to be obviously not of the level of last season, mm. but another poorly executed UEFA final with loads of fans being left stranded from the stadium and having to walk for miles. Uh, the stadium only accessible by road, shuttle buses dropping fans off miles away from the stadium. When, oh when, will UEFA just organise a final in a stadium that is accessible by multiple ways of, pu- like multiple means of public transport and just maybe treat fans with a little bit of respect. Yeah, but this is the thing, it's about the viewers, isn't it? The TV viewers. You know, one day, <laughs> I, I'm only half joking. I expect UEFA to actually hold the Champions League final on the moon because the satellite's actually better there. So it's a crisper I, picture. <laughs> there was something I saw yesterday. Me, I can't. I can't remember who. Uh, I, I don't have the tweet to hand, but I, someone someone posted. You know the actual the the one from the the commercial at the beginning, the intro, the stadium mm. that's on the Champions League, which is basically just an imaginary stadium with the yeah. with the stars over it. Someone said, "Hold it there." Yeah. Someone should just build this in somewhere like Benidorm and have it every year. <laughs> yes. Actually, you know what? Not the worst idea. You know, in the same way the FA Cup final is always in the same place. But yes, once the fans were in the stadium, let's talk about the game. Because not a classic final, let's say. But, but I liked a it. a very, very intriguing final. Like I really, and it was not intriguing in the kind of cliched, oh, absorbing encounter, it was boring. No, I was genuinely into had countermeasures to City's countermeasures and they made City work and they put in the most impressive performance we'd seen against City in the knockouts. They basically yeah. went toe for toe, right? And everyone, you know, they went, it, um, City went with their, what, 3-2-4-1. Well, they switched it, didn't they? Because they played the diamond. It was quite interesting to see Pep switch to this. Well, he like, only switched one the, the box. He switched because Inter went toe to toe, which is what people didn't expect. So Inter played the 3-5-2, but it actually was more like a 3-6-1, actually, because Lautaro mm. was dropping a bit. So actually, they went toe to toe, and you saw that with DeMarco was so aggressive with the matchups. They mm. basically pushed them. They let them come. They basically let them advance about like 15 meters. And then the moment they crossed some imaginary line, they were on them. I don't know if you call it a mid press, but they basically were like, they let them come out a certain amount and then they hunted aggressively. And you saw actually the press get more intense at certain points. So for example, when De Bruyne went off with the moment I call the king is dead moment, the mm. moment De Bruyne went off, I felt it go up like 5%. They were like at them. And to Inter's credit, tactically, they forced Pep into that rethink at halftime. They really did because see that crossfield pass that Rodri plays 
that DeMarco gets onto. For me, that was the kind of, that summed up what Inter did to City in the first half. It did not let them at all have it their own way. Apart from a couple of moments in the early stages, I actually thought that Holland timed his run badly in the first two minutes. De Bruyne plays that peach of a pass and Holland actually is just too eager. He has about mm. two feet before he plays it. Apart from that early moment where he hits it slightly over from the offside chance, I thought Inter were, I thought they were excellent in the first half, Ryan. I thought they were I, really good. They were really good, you know, really good. And Onana, oh my God, Onana, basically, we praised Amrabat as a DM in the game against West Ham in the uh, Conference League final just gone. But Onana in this game, he was like a goalkeeper. He was a centre-back. Sometimes he was almost like a DM. Like he was just, first half, he was spectacular. And I want to say, just before, I, just before we get in, um, two very different goalkeeping performances back-to-back in the Champions League final, Courtois and Onana, but in their own way, almost as good, I think. It was weird. It, I, was, I was watching it on BT Sport, obviously. Mm. And you, you could tell by their energy that they, they were just expecting a rollover. Who, City? No, the, the, the BT Sport staff. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, which and, I, which and, I, well, look, we, and, we never, yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. really interesting to see them when they kind of started to realise that actually, yeah, Inter actually... Inter are quite good in cup competitions yeah, and they've yeah. been quite good in the Champions League this season while their league form has stuttered and the oh actually this is a top level football team that might actually make their own tactical tweaks <laughs> <laughs> you could tell because as as the game progressed each chance that Manchester City had was dealt with more kind of um anxiety and nervous energy and excitement you know whereas mm. I think that they expected it to be whatever and there was some I, I, I think Inter did really really well in this game oh yeah because I, I think so too the first half City didn't really create a huge amount and Inter I think had a lot of the ball in front of them they had one or two there, was, there were one or two occasions where the ball went down that left hand side to Grealish or the 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 Bernardo Silva chance really early on. I actually thought yeah. it was probably the best. No, Holland's chance where he, he kind of broke through and shot against Anana was, was the best chance. Was the best chance. The best chance. Yeah, but I think I think but that, Bernardo was closer. Yeah, and uh, but other than that, uh, Edison had that wobble. Barella kind of snatched at it. Actually, he it never was, quite. Was he never quite got his shooting boots all night. Actually, I will say no. That. Barella had that, but the thing was, <laughs> the funny thing about that was there was it was. Uh, two instances in about 12 seconds where Barella had his hands on his head yeah because uh, he was still he still had his hands on his head from a poor, poor, poor ball when Edison played the ball out to him and he and I think he was a little bit like oh shit I'm back on I, this is my chance and he's just snatched at it where actually the replay from behind him showed that it was a much more he had a lot to aim at yeah you know it's funny because yeah he was still mourning the overlap wasn't it there was a, there was yeah. a great overlap uh, Inter turned the ball over and Brozovic hits it high and wide snatches at it and Lautaro and, and he's calling I think Barella is basically I'm in space in the diagonal and the thing about this mm. was Barella's frustration but also snatch at it shows you how Inter went into this game as well maybe expecting less of the ball and less chances than they got Inter's Inter's actual possession stats were much better than I expected I'm not going to lie maybe than they expected like if you look at the passes completed yeah it was 56 to City 44% right. for Inter yeah right 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 so this was fascinating for me Barella almost was like, we were not expecting this type of opening this up pitch. But you could tell in some, in some periods, yeah. actually, when they got, when, when City let them have the ball, mm. Inter kind of slowed their play down and looked a little less threatening in the first half. In the second half, when they had possession, they actually looked a lot better. They did a lot more with it, I thought. 
Yeah. But um but yeah, I mean they obviously, weren't as aggressive. Yeah, there was a bit Dumfries breaks on the right and he holds the ball for ages in the first half. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute, I've watched you play in Serie A like loads and you attack the byline and now you're waiting three or four seconds for mm. everyone to catch up. You don't do that in Serie A. And part of me thought, well, actually, you would have benefited a lot more from just the directness that you use normally. So the only thing right, I wonder yeah, yeah. from that is that maybe it was, maybe that was a, an instruction from Inzaghi. Right, Because right. Unless, it's, unless you're counter-attacking, if you, if, mm. you, if you turn the ball over, but yes. the field is kind of broken in the, because City, because there were a couple of chances where it was in the second half where something similar happened and Inter just weren't in a, in a shape to really right. do anything with it. They turned the ball over and City went straight up the other end on their goal. So I wonder if that was maybe a direct thing from Inzaghi to be like, unless you are sure, yes, don't. Because if we've got a broken field, City will absolutely torch us on the break. We cannot defend the way that we want to defend if we're all over the place. It's like Monopoly, like when you get to a certain point, do not pass go. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah, good, yeah, it's the yeah. Good, old, good old rest defence, man. Like waiting for everything to go. You, you know, know, so sad. Do you know who was the best in Europe for like years? For a couple of years, Jadon Sancho. Mm. Jadon Sancho was amazing at that, mm. getting the ball in that pocket, like the inside right position and just holding it to everyone caught up. Uh, talking of those kind of half spaces, uh, a player that was brilliant in them until he had to go off, Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, this was... And the tragedy yeah. of that. Do you know what? This is actually one of the... the obviously, we're not Manchester City fans. We mm. will talk about some of the, the stuff that isn't so great about this win in a bit, but not that City fans will care. But... um. When Kevin De Bruyne went off, I just thought, if they don't win this, it's too cruel, actually. It's too cruel, yeah. I think there's a thing I did, There's a thing with that. When he went off the second time, on a human level, I just thought he just does not, he does not deserve this, first of all. And secondly, to lose two like that in those conditions, would have been, it would have been too much. It's really, yeah, it's he too was cruel. the primary playmaker. And like, when he went off, yeah. I thought it was really bold. I thought Pep did a very brave thing, not moving Bernardo inside. Yeah. And bringing Foden, putting Foden in centre mid like that. I was talking to a friend of mine, I was in the bar and we were talking, I was just like, that is a bold, that is bold not to, because, you know, we know, we know that Bernardo can operate really well inside and Foden hasn't had that much football. And to come into a game like that, to do that, I mean, I know he's got experience, but still, it, I thought it was quite a bold step. Yeah, but I think also it was just, a, it was um, because of the, of the, like JJ Ball did a great video on Tifo about the width of that, uh, diamond, mm. the, the mm. left and right midfielders in that diamond for Pep. And I think because of that, that meant that they could just put Foden in there, really. It was like that slight inside left slot. Mm. You know? I, still, I think I it still worked pretty well. It, it, no, it did. It, did. it worked better than I thought. And actually, Foden should have had a second, actually. Yeah. I, that think, turn, I think that little like turn down the. Yeah. You saw Pep. You saw Pep's reaction. It's always the Pep's reaction to the miss because he was really feeling. Mm. He was feeling those misses and chances much more than I've seen him. You know, he was prostrating himself at one point. Yeah, on the on the touchline, which it really meant everything to him. This this win. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's been a while that he's since yeah. he's won one, and and it's been a stick that many in the media have used to beat. You can him see with. he sees all the memes. Pep sees all the memes. There's no question. Yeah. Um, Lukaku came on a little bit earlier than planned because Ed and Jekko went down with an injury, and mm. then um, uh, ten minutes later. Man City were ahead. Not related, by the way. I'm just looking through the timer. But before that, the Lautaro cutback. Some yeah. might say he should have... I think, look, there's a moment. So Lautaro gets through on the inside left channel, which is where there was a lot of joy all night for both teams, actually, funny enough. Gets through, cuts in, and he looks up, and there is that moment. There is that moment where he basically does a great thing, which is basically he stands Edison up, and at that point, he should cut it back 
but then he decides to go for glory. And that, to me, that split-second decision, it, it's a moment, you know, they talk about this, you know, striker's selfishness. I've mentioned this before. There's a productive selfishness and there's a counterproductive one. And that was counterproductive because that was, the cutback was absolutely on and Lukaku was right there. He was mm. right there. And that to me was a mistake because when City get the goal, right, Inter are thereafter always chasing. And no matter how long that game goes on, you're asking a lot against City to score twice. You're asking a lot to score twice. So that for me, <sighs> Lautaro's had two, you know, he had a great Coppa Italia final against uh, Fiorentina, but he's had two difficult major finals this year. Um, yeah, he's been playing yeah. really well though. Uh, and I think that's, that's something that, uh, I think there's a, there's a thing about Lautaro, which is really interesting that, I mean, he is a really, really good player. I think his form, his form in the second part of the season has been really good, and he was key to taking into to the to the to the Coppa Italia final and winning it. Yeah, he was brilliant there. But he's not a young player anymore. He's twenty five, no. which yeah, is yeah. still young in in life world terms. But in terms of a footballer, mm. he's not. He's not. He's he's not classed as a young player anymore. And I feel like there is a slight moments of decision making it's these margins still display a little bit I'm not sure if it's a lack of maturity because I think that I think we've seen it's not it's mature not, it's players not, do it it's but not. it's a bit more of it's a bit more game awareness it's you know it's, it's not I wouldn't it's definitely not immaturity do you know what it is it's like these are the margins okay not to get a bit stato but there was the Champions League final in 98 uh, when Real beat Juventus 1-0 and there's like one chance it's Miatovic mm. it's the only chance Miatovic gets and he's just on it and it there is such a small percentage of people in that position that execute. And I think we've almost been a bit spoiled in elite football because mm. you've had players of the ruthlessness of like Benzema, Lewandowski, Aguero and all these players. They're so ruthless that we almost forget that there's, there is such a fallibility at that level. And you can get like caught in that moment of, do I just, because it's often, often it's footwork. Do I adjust my feet right? My movement right? Even Holland actually, Holland in the first half, I think, and arguably in the last couple of games, the really tight ones, Holland has been split seconds where he hasn't quite been, you know, for example, the, the chance in the first half when Onana comes to, mm. he actually should have hit that to the far post, but there's a split second where he goes too early or too late. And that, I know these are like, these criticisms are so fine, but they, because we've been spoiled for so long by this elite finishing from Messi and Cristiano and all these people, we forget that actually it's not the norm. It's like when you watch Formula One and you see someone spin out on a corner, you're like, what? And you're like, no, that's normal. That, yeah. that, is that, that should happen more. Yeah, they're <laughs> actually really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not meant to float over the water. That's not normal. Like, you got like, you know, Michael Schumacher driving over the Venice Canal. It's like, that's not normal. People don't do that. <laughs> so yeah, in Lautaro's um, defence, in Lautaro's defence, I would say, mm. it's not easy. Uh, um, I mean, the goal, the goal for Man City can, kind of came from a cutback. Um, and gorgeous into, pass. The, the initial yeah, pass was beautiful. Into appealing for handball. Was it, was it, on, uh, was it on Bastoni they wanted a handball? Was it a Cherby? I can't remember. But it didn't matter mm. because Rodri, uh, with a lovely... Tony Cruz style finish. It was very Tony Cruz. Punched it. Really good yeah. goal. And actually... He thought he played badly, which is so interesting. It showed... When players say that, it's more reflection because Rodri rarely plays badly. It's a reflection more of the pressure they expected and the space they were expected to execute under. But I thought he was still very good, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think he did really well. Um, I thought he was. I thought he was excellent, actually. Yeah, I think him and Stones were were were, were pretty pretty decent for, for City. To be fair, um, 
I thought. I want to shout out Akanji as well, just because Akanji has just had the glow up. He's uh, yeah. Although uh, he, um, there was a moment where he 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 thought he was at Augsburg away. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and just, just, <laughs> I was waiting for Roman Berkey to come and get the ball. Like Roman Berkey, to be fair to him, Roman Berkey would usually be Berkey not far away from him in that situation. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. listen, sweep no, the keeper. No, not, I'm just saying. Not at all, yeah, not at all. Yeah. Um, but yes, and that gave City the lead. But then, <sighs> yeah, I know. Inter very, yeah. Inter really should have had two. The XG, like all you, you shared some stats because you know the XG always look a bit different, different platforms. You yeah, look and on. obviously you but, know careful, careful of just 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 pulling up XG. But, but in yeah. every single one, like Demarco's header against the bar, it's a gorgeous header. The lob header. I think he makes the wrong choice though. I think he should go down. <sighs> it's a hard one because if it's on target, Edison's not saving it. Like if it's two inches under the bar, it's in off the bar. Um, then yeah, from Lukaku. the XG philosophy, it was Man City 0.95 into 2.07. This is the thing. And then, and then the follow-up, Lukaku is standing there and can't get out of the way in time. And then Lukaku has a really good chance where it's one of those ones where can he angle it down across the keeper? Mm. And again, it's margins. It's these small margins. And it's, it was such a great save from Edison or such a great reaction just to get his body behind it that at first I couldn't work out what happened. It was only when I saw that one of his teammates congratulate me, like, no, that's what happened. That's definitely because I was like, I turned to a friend and I said, that was so fast. And there was such a flurry of people around it. Did Edison get to it? Um, and there I kind of expected, I kind of expected yeah. the, the ref to point to the watch right, and give right. a goal. Because really? at first it looked like it was behind, it was nowhere near behind the line. But at first it looked like one of those that was behind the line, the Lukaku header. But like, and he was busy. Lukaku came in and actually he added so much. He's done that all year. He was really stuff. good, yeah. He, I mean, uh, the Lukaku yeah, header, because he's going he's gonna to catch a load of shit for this as usual. And I, and I said something in the Rice House group mm. um, and it wasn't really even in his defence. It was just like, that header, nine times out of ten, goes in. I know. And that's not to say that it's an amazing yeah. header. I'm not to say that Lukaku was, is blameless here. Do you know what it is? Mm. It's the body angle on the cross. He's, he's, he's too set up to go he's that way. Square. Yeah, he's too square. Opening up that right foot a little bit, it would have just allowed him to place it into the corner. This but is the, the, yeah, yeah. it's all very well and good for us saying this, sat in a hotel room doing a podcast. But still, it's that tiny- It's the margins, Ryan. It's just- If he, if yeah. he opens up a little bit, he has the space to guide it a little bit further away from Edison. But still, even with that, that's what I was trying to say, even with that- No, of course. How many times have we seen- a, a, a striker head the ball down at a goalkeeper who's right in the middle of the goal and it's kind of just ricocheted in because the goalkeeper because it's because you're scrambling can I be honest with you I want to admit a slight bias so the thing you're describing Lukaku and Murata have a bit of a bias towards strikers you know strikers union watching Lukaku it reminded me a bit of Murata all the stick he got until he scored that breakaway equaliser in the Euros and until Lukaku until Murata scored that goal there was a, all that talk and the talk hasn't completely gone, but when Murata scored against Italy in that uh, Euro semi, it was his moment. It was like, yeah, he can do it here. And I think for Lukaku, there's that moment where I just wanted him to break through with that big goal. Even if Inter went on to lose 2-1 or an extra time penalties, it was like Lukaku can say that he did that. And for him not to do it, I don't know, I felt this kind of sadness for him because I just thought these big moments, the people, people always come for you about these big moments. and you need to just claim this one. 
And again, it's these, again, the margins we talk about, you know, Foden had that. Foden, who's a brilliant finisher in huge games. We saw, you know, Foden dismantling, sorry, Liverpool, Liverpool at Anfield, in, playing as a false nine. Brilliant. He can do that. And Foden not getting his corner of the net, but Foden has had some of those moments in a way that Lukaku, and all that Lukaku with the trauma of the Europa League final, you know, the own goal that, that, that won it for, I think, Sevilla that time having scored a penalty earlier. So Lukaku really just uh, inches, Ryan. A legacy defined by inches and that's it really. That's it, you know. Yeah, I don't think that, for example, the Barella header, um, not Barella, uh, the DeMarco header against him was anything to do with Lukaku's fault. No, 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 no. Because actually you can't adjust in that, you can't, in that moment you can't adjust. No, no, no. No. And to be honest, Um, it might not have gone anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Inter had a couple more chances towards the end. I was actually... I know this, you know, City fans will be like, hang on a minute, we just won the treble. Why are you talking, why are you praising Inter? But I feel that the gulf is so big between the two sides. I think the fact that Inter didn't just roll over when Man City went Mm. ahead and actually looked to step up the intensity, which not a lot of sides have been able to do against Manchester City this season. Um, Brentford fans will be like, hey, hey. (laughs) I was surprised with Grealish's assessment of his own performance calling himself awful. I thought this was a no, strange assessment. Just, there was, there was an think, interesting thing that someone, sorry to cut in, but there was an interesting yeah. thing that I saw someone tweet it saying that like the levels that Pep has got these players believing in mm. has, yeah. is wild because they just, they know that they can do better. I thought, I thought Grealish did fine and I actually thought, so. thought that he kept, he kept Darmian busy enough down that right hand side. I thought so. Uh, down that left hand side, sorry, uh, City's left hand side to create space elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Actually, Sorry. there's one bit when I was like, there's one, I was watching a uh, city move the ball forward in the first half, and I was like, hmm, Deserby should sue you for copyright. I'm seeing some. <laughs> well, I mean, do you know I'm what? seeing like, some Pep, patterns. Pep, Pep only openly admitted that not too long ago, I think, where he essentially said Deserby's changed the league. They were watch, watching them move the they move the ball forward in this like really great sort of zigzag pattern when they come. It's like from the left wing Grealish into the man, and they pop it out, and then they're almost playing in like zigzags. You know, like it's the way they're always told to run when they're being chased by a crocodile. You know, everyone says that crocodiles can't change direction quickly. You've got to mm. run in a straight line. And it was like that. They were like zigzagging the ball in and out. And I thought, oh, I've seen these passing patterns before. And they're not to yours, Pep. <laughs> but yeah, some, some great passing. I thought that, I thought Grealish and Bernardo Silva were really strong on the flanks. Mm. Um, Bernardo Silva, I want to say one quick thing about Bernardo Silva's chance that went narrowly over the bar. So for City fans, gorgeous piece of dribbling by Bernardo Silva. But also maybe a legacy of the penalty rule the way DeMarco's hands are tucked so far behind his back. And McManaman was saying, Ola, why doesn't he get in there? Why doesn't he get in? I was like, well, actually, like what is, you have to pick your poison because if your hands are remotely up, the ball's going to come in from from Bernardo at some point. And the moment the ball comes in, it's probably going to hit your hand and it'll probably be a penalty. So actually DeMarco, who I thought was, if not was maybe the outstanding inter player, I think Onana and Bastoni were both brilliant. Bastoni could actually play for City, to be honest, tomorrow. With that style of play, I thought it was brilliant. Um, by the way, clubs on the lookout for a centre back. I mean, you couldn't do much worse than, than nab that guy. Um, Stop taking the players already. No, sorry, Leave but yeah, I just, thought, I just thought Demarco's hands tucked behind his back. I just thought to myself, that style of defending is such a legacy of this penalty rule mm. because you're just completely, you know, you're caught like you're twisting in the wind, really. You know. Yeah, definitely. Um, so anyway, in terms of the game itself, that was enough. City winning it the game. One it was. And uh, lifting the Champions League trophy, the first in the club's history, Pep's third. Let's take a quick break and then we'll talk about that. Yeah. All right, man. So Pep has finally 
got his third Champions League trophy. He does. Is it 12 years after his second? Yeah, an odyssey. Nicky Bandini wrote a great tweet, actually, saying that Manchester is only the second city where both clubs have won a treble. Wow. With Milan. Milan, yeah, Milan, I was going to say. Yeah. Milan and Manchester. I couldn't remember, you know, I couldn't remember what AC's treble was. I thought it might be Milan, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. I couldn't remember what AC's treble was. From the football side of it, mm. Pep is one of the all-time managers and is the difference between a project like Manchester City's dominating in the way that they have and them not quite dominating in the way that they have. You only have to look at PSG to see that that amount of money doesn't, it's not a guarantee. Exactly. I mean, to be honest, snarky side of me might be like, they felt like an air of inevitability about it, but... Like Pep said, Pep said, on, Pep said on BT Sport afterwards, Jake Humphrey had to step in and be like, sorry for the language. He mm. said, uh, this trophy's so fucking hard to win, guys. Yeah, for something inevitable, it sure took a long time. Like, and that says how hard it is. It's not, it's not, it's not, this is, this wasn't me going, oh, City should have won it sooner. I don't believe that. I think that it is genuinely an exceptionally difficult tournament to win because the quality everyone brings. Inter beat Benfica. Mm. Benfica were my kind of dark horse for this tournament. They snuffed them out in that round. That was extraordinary. To do that, I still think that result, I still think Inter's defeat of Benfica will just go underappreciated. But it was extraordinary to, to beat that team the way they were playing was, was, was something else. So for Pep to come through all of that and to, to retain the level and to retain the emotional intensity to stay in the game and win it because we've seen like big managers psychologically just lose lose their edge tactically lose their edge but every year he came back he kept changing things within football and again if you look at PSG as a control experiment as a club that went all out as a state-owned club that went all out to win this thing and frankly are further away than ever before like the, the, the PSG's desire PSG's lust to win this trophy kind of broke their squad actually it broke their squad. But that's PSG what it does. had the ring. They had, they had the ring of power, but it was too much like what for them. it did to them. Yeah. So what Pep did, Pep will not, and I've said this a thousand times in this podcast, Pep will not get full credit for what he's done because of everything around it, the charges, mm. um, and, the, you know, and maybe, maybe shouldn't, actually. Yeah, it's interesting, I think. I think it's a really interesting conversation because this, I think we've seen heavily bankrolled. I mean, we've not mm. seen anything like Manchester City or PSG before in mm. top level football to that kind of sustained relentless and it's not just about I think a lot of people focus on just transfer cost but it's not it's the infrastructure around it creating the conditions anyone listening to this knows the deal I assume yeah. because yeah. we have talked about it a number of times you know, we've seen some good managers at, at Man City we've seen some good managers at PSG and we've seen what happens when you, you have to still be serious with it you know like Pep is given all of that Manchester City have had all of the conditions to go and win the Champions League that's yeah. been the goal since the takeover right and they've done it but it has taken them even with all of the stuff behind the scenes mm. it has still taken them multiple years of arguably one of the best coaches of all time one of one of a very very small handful of coaches who have completely revolutionised the sport at the top level mm. Pep right and the two are and, not the same. The two are not the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's still, I've said this to people before in terms of how like the only, because there is a weird sense of inevitability of where football is heading in terms of, you know, you look at the potential Qatari takeover of Manchester United, you have the, the PIF uh, with a majority stake in Newcastle United. Yeah. 
there is this sense of where does this stop with football? But the thing that I actually am encouraged about is the fact that Inter could have won this final. Well, this is the thing. And I think like, yeah, the way I've always looked at it is this Manchester City and to use a Formula One analogy, they have by far the best car on the grid, right? It's by far the best car on the grid. And it's exceptionally sensitive as the best cars are to all kinds of movements or changes. And it only, there's very, very few drivers on the grid that can drive at its full potential. That's it really. And I think his level of execution is just above and beyond. It's just something else that we can't fully appreciate because of the, the resources he has at his disposal, but he's done things. He's done things in football that only with hindsight, people will step back and be like, my goodness, like all of that. He completely normalized tactical changes that mm. he makes tactical changes at the rate that most managers make twice in their career. Like when one, you know, when um, Sir Alex Ferguson went to playing like a sort of basically like a four six zero, it was the major tactical shift of his um, managerial career. And he was one of the greatest and he's maybe still the greatest club coach of all time. And it was a huge deal for him to do it. Pep is making changes like that once every two seasons. Mm. Like, and that's not to disrespect Ferguson, of course not. Ferguson is like, Ferguson's just up there with, there's no one above different Ferguson. Different era, different kind of but vibe. Not, but also, they're but also very different managers as well. They are very different, but also like in terms of what I'm, I suppose I'm saying is these people, Wenger, actually a good example, Wenger, Ferguson, Guardiola, they all ascended Mount Everest, right? But they all took slightly different paths. They all chose different routes of ascent. And the way that Guardiola ascended, I think is unique. And in terms of a crowning glory, I'd rather he'd won this title at Bayern, for example, because I loved his Bayern team and I thought his Bayern team was actually underrated. Uh, and that's not just my sort of United bias. I don't think it's that. I think that I'd have liked him to win one at, at Bayern before going to City. So I'd like yeah, to- Yeah, I know what you mean. So the questions, mean, yeah. I'd liked that conversation to be over by the time he arrived at City. But his work at City, some of the football they've played is- it will set the agenda actually at all levels mm. for a long time in terms of how to play football. And that, uh, that is a legacy of its own, I think, which matters to him, I think equally. I think the Bielsa chops matter to him, mm. but the silverware, I think he, because Bielsa has always been about trophies not being, yeah. but I think Pep now, the validation of the trophy cabinet, I think is so important to him for his methods too. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's going to be interesting to see what next for City because it kind of feels like this was the completion. You know? I think they're going to go, I admit, to be honest, they could go on a run after this. Three straight Champions League, as you can say. They, 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 could, they could, City could go on a run. City actually, in terms of defending this title, it's all there for them. I mean, not renewing Gundogan would be wild. We haven't even mentioned him on this podcast because he's just so routinely good that he almost goes without scrutiny at this point. Gundogan's just... Um, Although I did wish, I, I kind of wish that he'd, he'd he didn't sign Des Kelly's armband for him live on air, which is a bit weird. <laughs> Can I say, we never full give Gunnar full credit for his defensive qualities. He was, defensively, he's brilliant. One of my, oh he's, my one, he's been one of my favourite players of the last decade. Yeah, he's, I, mean, I know, I know it's unbelievable. Do a whole podcast about him. But I think at this point, City almost, you know, they double down, actually. They try and double down. Because if you down, think of the teams down. in trans, you think of the teams- well, You sound like their legal counsel. You see, <laughs> you think, down, double down. You think of the, you think of the teams that- have been their natural challenges. They're kind of in slight disarray now. Yeah, like I mean, they, I think they, they have yeah. a season tra- and City, City don't have that transition. They can go straight on. No, what I was going to say was I find it, I think it's interesting that City won the Champions League in the year that it felt like, A, it wasn't really, I don't think it's been a real vintage Champions League campaign. I think this year mm. the knockouts have been, from an entertainment point of view, 
not necessarily a football quality point of view, but from an entertainment yeah. point of view, a little bit underwhelming compared to what we've had in the last few years. Yeah. I think the group stages were actually, by memory, they were, they seemed, I mean, it was so long ago. Was it 310 days ago that the domestic season started Goodness. for this season? Yeah, so wild. it's been a long time ago. But I thought the group stages were, were pretty good this year. I might, that might be wrong. But yeah, I found it's interesting that they, they won it in the year where so many of the rivals or the top, the other top clubs that were, were pushing for it basically had their, not down year, but not, not, the, not the best year. Not a vintage year, yes, yes. And I think that's also, and this isn't to take anything away from Man City because every single year stuff plays out in this way. But for example, I've had conversations with, with even with City fans who agree with this, saying that if some of the other teams in the Premier League had been a little bit stronger and maybe taken a few more points off City, I think they were there. City were kind of there for the taking at certain points this year. I think we're going to have a question or two about this on the mailbag. And I know you've got a run, so mm. we can't get into too big picture stuff now, but we'll talk about that maybe on the mailbag if we have a question or we'll talk about it in our thoughts about this season mm. as a whole. Because, yeah, it is quite, it is a complex conversation around Manchester City, I think, because mm. you have to almost, for example, like I'm really, really happy that Ilkay Gundogan has won a Champions League. Yeah, I'm really, really happy that Kevin De Bruyne has won a Champions League. I'm really happy for a lot of those players that they've won a Champions League. I'm really happy for Pep that he's got his third. But also, yeah, there is the, you know, you're doing it in a competition where you've already been kind of like hit with two uh, charges or whatever, two two yeah. two instances where you've been, and you're in a, you got, and they got congratulated by the Premier League who were hitting them with a load of other charges. Well, I was going to say really the main obstacle, I was going to say this, the main obstacle to City next year is going to be those charges actually. Yeah, I don't yeah, think it's going to be on the, not on the field. And, no. and again, and again, to, I think maybe rightly so, like rightly yeah, yeah. so, you know. But um, we'll talk about that yeah. more on the mailbag. Yeah, um, and this is, can but, I just say this, because we, we're always caveating this stuff, but I just want to, I want to almost say this on the podcast explicitly, really trying to sift through the complexity of, without question, the sporting achievement on the field, and also the quality of the recruitment, but also then how those players were procured, the outstanding charges and all of that. And not, we're not, it's, it's that thing of not, not trying to dismiss the charges against City. Yeah, because you know, over a hundred of them, you know, uh, while also trying to also really give some kind of appraisal of what we saw in the field, which was itself tactically very interesting. And this won't be the last time we have a conversation of this complexity. This will be a conversation we'll have about Manchester United if they're acquired by Qatar, who are the front runner. This will be a conversation we'll have about Newcastle. And it's, it's not this, this whole, this caveated conversation we're having, unfortunately, is the future of football. Right at that level, it's just mm. it's, it's the future. It goes down to sponsorship stuff. We've had conversations about even yeah. talking about Nottingham Forest ownership or com- conversations yeah. about Arsenal's visit Miranda stretch. But there's all of this stuff that's there. But anyway, so Manchester City have completed their treble, only the they second have. English side to do so, and um, it's gonna be interesting to see what what Manchester's like today. I'm not sure if I'm gonna be I'm gonna be out of town before they get back and have a parade. So, uh, uh, but maybe I'll be. I don't know when the parade will be. Maybe I'll be around. I'm not sure. Mm. But um, we will talk more about it on the mailbag. Yeah. Um, if this is a little brief, apologies, Musa has to run for a train. But um, congratulations, Pep. Congratulations, Man City. Congratulations, Man City fans. Yes. Commiserations into who I think were really, really, really good. And also, it's going to be super interesting to see whether they can build on this or whether this was a run that they had to... They had to kind of maximise. And Can I say, I have so much sympathy because the devastation it. on their faces, Inter basically maxed out. They maximised all their potential to get to this final. And I think I wrote in the group, I was like, I really, I feel so sad for them because realistically, they're probably not going to get 
all this way again. It's just, it's such a journey for them. It's not like other clubs where you're always looking at a semi-final spot, realistically. Yeah. All right, man. Um, So don't forget, tweet us at Stadio or send us your mailbag questions. Hello at Stadio.Football. We're going to record that Monday lunchtime. So don't send any questions after Monday lunchtime. (laughs) That'll go out on Tuesday and then our final bonus pod of the season will go out on Thursday and then we're off. So uh, until then, don't forget to check Stadio on Twitter, Stadio Football on Instagram, check TheRinger.com, loads of great stuff on there. Uh, and check the Stadio Outros plays on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on a cover version, I think it's the second cover version of this tune that we've played out on before. Okay. Cover version of Dreams by Fluid Mac, and it's by Blue Tandem, a.k.a. Pep Guardiola and... Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Captain and manager. Uh, anything you would like to add, Musa Gwonga? Nothing further. All right, everyone, much love. We'll be back with you on Tuesday. See you then. Thank you.